Welcome once again to The Insider. This is the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning. And our guests today are Rush Brashear, who is the assistant transportation director who oversees the transit uh, center and the transit program, and also Jim Kerr, who is the transportation director. Thanks a lot to both of you for being with us today. Sure thing. On October 27th, um, the city broke ground for a new transit center. And maybe we could talk about, uh, first of all, Russ, where exactly is this center being built? Well, the official address for the transit center is 324 New Salem Highway. Um, this is at the corner of New Salem and Bridge Avenue. Uh, it's also directly across the street from the Doug Young Public Safety Training Center. Um, it's about a five and a half acre site and it'll have access to both New Salem and Bridge Avenue. And why was this particular location chosen, Jim? Well, uh, the original location, if you recall, was on West Main and Bridge Avenue. Well, city administration and staff determined that the, the area was really too small for a 50-year decision. We're trying to make 50-year decisions moving forward. So it just so happened that this particular piece of property became available. Um, and it was, you know, close, it was basically uh, proximity to downtown, the existing routes, and it was also identified as an opportunity zone, which actually provided us with advantages and different funding opportunities. So that's why we chose this property. Oh, that's a good point. What made it an opportunity zone? Well, that was part of the it's the, the, the lower income. Uh, the location? The location within the area. Right. Of course, that was identified. Uh, opportunity zones were identified in the Trump administration, if you recall. Well, it seems like it's an ideal location, and especially since we now know that uh, RTA and WeGo is also kind of uh, combining with you in terms of the location. They'll be close by, and I guess this is designed uh, maybe for some kind of streamlining of the two efforts, uh, the city and uh, the state. Correct, yeah. So um, RTA will be putting a, a parking ride uh, lot adjacent to our facility. Um, it, if everything goes according to plan, it, it may be open the day our facility opens as well. It just depends on how things go on their end with getting that set up and ready. On the day of the uh, groundbreaking, there were a number of state and regional uh, officials who were involved in transportation who were also on hand, Jim. And it, it brings up the whole concept of these partnerships in transportation you know, you can't go alone, not not just for what you're doing, but for the funding and everything. Just how, how vital for us to understand in the public that these partnerships are for you? Uh, well, it, you know, Mayor McFarland actually sits on the, the uh, Regional Transportation Authority Board, which I'm actually his representative uh, for that particular board. They meet monthly to discuss public transportation in our, on a regional basis. Uh, and they also focus on the last mile from a regional basis to the last mile delivery of the of the patron. So that's a it's it's, it's critical for the for the area, um, you know, from a transportation stand a public transportation standpoint. Also, want to talk a little bit about TDOT, the TDOT multimodal division. Uh, they uh, they actually allocate FTA funds to transit agencies like Murfreesboro. Um, they also provide uh, 
uh, they also provide state matches for us to, to offset some of our federal dollars and they are responsible for Improve Act funds, Improve Act grants and Improve Act funds. So they're, they're very critical in funding, especially capital projects for transit operations. It's safe to say then that you really depend on them because without their funding, you wouldn't be able to do this project or a lot of projects. You're exactly right. And, and this is part of the Improve Act, which was passed in 2017, as y'all recall. Now, it seems like there was some kind of an intentional effort to combine this transit center that's going up with what the RTA and WeGo is doing. Um, what can you say about that in terms of what they're attempting to do? Of course, they recognize that the I-24 South region is congested and not that we can do a lot, but maybe even a little bit is going to help in terms of people using mass transit. And, and if we can facilitate it a little bit better, then more people may take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, you know, Russ had mentioned before, you know, we are looking at working with RTA to uh, help relocate the existing park and ride facility. The current park and ride facility is at Ofort Parkway by the tennis complex, of course. And as we know, there's a there's a big master plan to renovate a lot of that that area. So it, it was our intent to actually get the the park and ride facility closer to our transit facility so that we could get that last mile connection. So it, 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 it will benefit all, all of us uh, with, with relocating that facility. And also, we go, I believe it was this past, uh, past October, they actually provided a pilot program that would actually provide public transportation to the, to the soccer facility in Nashville. Uh, and I don't know if they're going to run it again, but they, I think they were fairly successful in, in providing that service just for, Mur for Murfreesboro and I think Antioch were the two pilot programs. So that may be maybe the initiative or the start of kind of a program where uh, people would start taking advantage of it for that purpose. For example, if you're going to a sporting event, it may expand to other events, but we need to see how, it, how successful it is. That is correct. And, you know, with, with the Modernization Act that, that TDOT is actually providing with, you know, potential choice lanes, you know, that's intended for public transportation to utilize as well. So that could benefit this area if, it, if TDOT goes that direction for the I-24 corridor. Russ, describe the facilities for us. What, what will be located there and how will that help facilitate uh, mass transit in our community? Well, so there will be uh, three buildings on site. There's going to be a passenger pavilion, a light maintenance building, and an administration building. Uh, the passenger pavilion is roughly 2,400 square feet. Uh, there will be restrooms there. There will be uh, a customer service and security office there. Uh, there will be passenger seating area that has some climate control features for it. Uh, Twelve bus bays will surround the passenger pavilion. Um, three of those would be able to accommodate 40-foot buses, uh, which are the size that, you know, RTA and WeGo operate. Um, uh, the light maintenance building is just that. It's for light maintenance activities, and uh, all of our heavy maintenance will still be performed at the city's uh, fleet building out on Florence Road. Um, and then the administration building will be there to house all of the transit employees that operate the service. You mentioned the 40-foot the buses, so 
will we go actually utilize that space by coming through or are you just preparing for the future of larger buses yes that's that's the it's both of the above um you know we designed it so that uh we go could use that space for their park and ride um and as well for us in future expansion if we were to get larger buses then we'd have the space to accommodate those as well Maybe you could describe that a little further. So if Park and Ride is next door in terms of their facilities, how will it physically actually occur in terms of the handoff between your buses and their buses? Well, that's the beauty of actually having a facility now. Um, uh, it makes it much easier. Um, you know, passengers, if, if they're coming in on our buses, um, you know, they just they simply come in, they pull into one of our bus bays, they get off. The Wego bus uh, bay is currently designed to be right up uh, front, and uh, so they just walk right over there and get on the Wego bus, and off they go. Um, if they're parking there, driving their own car and parking at the facility, um, it's literally adjacent to the Bridge Avenue entrance um, of our of our uh, transit center. Um, they'll park there. We'll have it designed where there's a path that they can walk across and get on the bus. And Recently, uh, Murfreesboro Transit unveiled a new app program, and it's pretty fascinating. It's very easy to use. I thought we would discuss that, why, why you decided to have an app and, and how that is helping uh, the users, the passengers uh, in the transit system. Well, I mean, apps are the way to go nowadays, and, and uh, everybody likes to have something in the palm of their hand that they can, uh, uh, you know, look up information with, and, and so this is no different. We, uh, we started working on it back in March, I believe, um, and we rolled it out uh, to the public about two and a half months ago. Um, all they got to do is go to uh, the App Store, whether it's Apple or Android, and uh, search Murfreesboro Transit. Um, and look for that uh, familiar city rotunda logo and um, once they download it they can get in the menu and pull up a, a map of our routes they can select individual routes or all of the routes and um, uh, they can see where the bus is if the bus doesn't show up immediately all you got to do is just zoom in a little bit on the map and it'll pop up and uh, there's a little arrow that shows you what direction the bus is headed and uh, you can touch the the route uh, and you know, wherever you want to is uh, to see what time the bus might get there. And um, you can plan a trip. Uh, if you're, you know, somewhere on the east side of town and, and uh, it's nine o'clock in the morning and you gotta be on the west side of town at two in the afternoon, you tell it this information where it is you wanna go. It'll tell you which bus to catch, which bus to transfer to if necessary where to get off the bus in order to get to your final destination, all of that. So, I don't want to make too much of it, but it would seem that compared to what the city had before, that's revolutionized the system. What kind of uh, feedback have you had? Um, we've had some good feedback. I think that uh, we, we need to do a little more work on, on trying to get people to really get into using the app. Um, it's it's one of those things as well, you know. I mean, people like that stuff, but then there's also people that are reluctant uh, to to do things like that. So because it's complicated for some. It, it might be, yeah. Um, we tried to make it as as simple as possible, um, but uh, I, I think over time, I mean, we've seen there's been uh, last I checked, which is about four weeks ago, it's been 
probably between both platforms, close to 200 downloads. Um, so that's not too bad, just starting out, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I suspect it'll it'll increase. Our citizens, Jim, see the uh, the buildings going up or the construction. They see things vertical because so, it's visual. But what they don't see is all the work that goes on behind the scenes in the months and even years that you put into this to make this happen. It, it just doesn't, you know, poof, it's there, right? I mean, you had a lot of hard work to get this to right. become well, reality. Right, well, true that. I mean, whenever you're, you're leveraging federal and state dollars, there's a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of red tape that you've got to go through. You know, like like the first phase is you got to go through your environmental doc, all your environmental studies, environmental documents, get approval. Then once you get your design, you know, somewhat completed, uh, and you got to follow the Uniform Act for purchasing right of way, which is fairly complicated, and how that proceeds. And then once you get your design pulled together, then there's there's a lot of uh, pretty uh, intense uh, contract documentation, make sure you're following all the FAR language within the federal government. It's just a, it's, it's a daunting process to get through, uh, you know, get from, from A to B, or A to, a to D, or A to F, wherever you end up. Well, one of the biggest challenges, because it does take uh, that amount of time to follow the process and check all the boxes, is as time increases, you know, the value of money decreases. So you, you never know if you've got enough funding for your project. So that's the biggest challenge is, is moving forward is to make sure that you've got enough funding to, to support the, the final delivery. Uh, you know, typically we, we, try to, we try to hoard stockpile money because of not knowing, uh, you know, the cost of construction these days. And this particular facility, you know, it came in a little bit higher than what we had estimated, but it wasn't as crazy as the numbers that we had seen in previous bids. So we feel like we got pretty good numbers and we're fortunate enough through, you know, the Improve Act and through being able to hoard federal dollars from previous years that we were able to fully fund the project. When, when citizens see the cost and the expense involved in mass transit, uh, there often is some kind of pushback or criticism from people who, who don't use mass transit. Like so many of the services that, that we provide as a city, uh, not everyone uses all the services, but they do use some. But perhaps, Russ, you could talk about the importance of having a mass transit system within a community and, and talk about the people who, who definitely depend on it because maybe they, they either can't drive or, or they have some uh, situation in their lives where they have to depend on it. Well, that's exactly one of the reasons that uh, it is important. Um, it, people don't have access to other modes of transportation. Um, this service allows them to get to and from employment. Uh, it allows them to get to a doctor, allows them to uh, uh, go to the grocery store. Uh, so it's, uh, it, and it gives businesses access to employees and resources that they might not other have as well. So, When will this facility be completed or when do you hope it will be operational? Well, it's an 18-month project, uh, so we're expecting uh, April 2025 uh, for it to be completed. Um, when we move in, uh, that's yet to be determined. It should be fairly close to then, but uh, uh, we'll have that a little better idea on that the closer we get. Depends it's, on it's sometimes weather and construction, construction, right? Yeah. 
different factors. So what is the long-term vision, and maybe even the short-term vision, what's the vision of, of this facility? And then, you know, obviously you probably hope to build on it as you go into the future. Explain some of that uh, concept for us that you're looking for. Well, I mean, we anticipate this being a 40 to 50 year facility. Um, with that, uh, we'll be able to expand services, um, reach parts of the city that we currently can't reach and do not have the capacity to reach. So um, uh, it's just, it's going to be a catalyst to, to better things in the future and, and more service for the citizens. And part of that includes uh, new buses, right? Uh, and will they be the same size or will they be different than what we have now? So we have 12 new buses that are being built as we speak. Um, they're just slightly smaller than what we currently have. Uh, they'll have wheelchair lifts instead of ramps like we currently have. Um, the reason for that is uh, we had uh, buses similar to our current fleet on order back in 21 and then like everything else, the pandemic kind of blew the bus industry up and, and um, our order got canceled. Um, as we approached, you know, time to when the bus industry started ramping back up again and pumping out more buses, uh, the availability, availability of those kind of buses just wasn't there. Um, so we, we did a you know, request for proposals and, and uh, uh, we ended up uh, choosing the buses that we're getting um, for that reason plus cost. I mean, the inflationary cost is, is kind of what drove a lot of it as well. So, Do you hope, and I'd like to hear both of you on this, do you hope that the new center, the new buses might help you expand ridership to some degree and have more people use it? Sure. Um, you know, the, the current fleet, we have um, eight 23 passenger buses and two very old contingency buses that we try not to use. Um, so the, uh, uh, with the new buses we're getting, that gives us four additional buses. Um, and we'll have, uh, we'll have one contingency bus that uh, uh, we can use. It's not, it won't really be a contingency bus, uh, but uh, um, that will allow us to uh, expand, um, possibly uh, take existing routes, reach a little further out than what they currently go because we could double up buses on a route. Um, we could create a new route or two. Um, uh, we get a lot of requests to uh, uh, to have a stop in specific locations and we're always thinking about new routes and planning and so on and when you do that uh, you have to keep in mind that you know folks have to remember that it, it's not a limo service it's public transportation so you have to think of the needs of the many and not just the few or the one so uh, that's how we design routes, um, and uh, we're we've got some plans. And uh, uh, when we we'll get these new buses long before the transit centers actually open. So we're talking about maybe doing a little pilot, you know, run here and there, some different routes for short periods of time, just to see how well they're received, how well they work. Uh, we'll obviously have to redesign all of our routes for the location of the transit center, but uh, 
uh, the new routes are something that we'll really be working on trying to figure out what's best. Does that mean going further west, let's say, where the large population is on the other side of the interstate, or where would you go to? We have you, some ideas have with that um, in the works. Uh, uh, we also have uh, thoughts, um, and we've had thoughts of this for a good while, we just hadn't had the capacity to do it, is going out to uh, the Joe B. Jackson industrial areas out there, um, mm -hmm. you know, employment type routes more or less so. i guess having a, a true base now now with a new facility it gives us a lot more options a lot more flexibility yeah. we're a lot more nimble in what we can do uh, to service the the patrons uh, jim let's talk about the the, uh, the design how it was designed who what firm did that and uh, the construction team as well. yeah the the design firm is hdr they're out of uh, brentwood and the contractor is is Rock City Construction, which is out of Franklin, Tennessee. So fairly local. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Uh, was there a particular type of design that you were wanting to, to create based on the funding? I mean, well, we, we had several iterations that went that went back and forth, and uh, we we ended up, you know, looking, you know, the building's going to look somewhat similar to the airport because everyone seems to like the airport. Uh, look mm -hmm. and it just it fits well within that area and fits well with the you know with the Doug Young facility also. I understand Murfreesboro Transit um, has these new buses and we haven't talked about you know exactly what they will look like. I know there's a new logo um, but how will they look in terms of visually compared to the what we call the rover buses which the, the green buses today? Right. Well, the, uh, the the rover name and the green buses will be going away. There's a currently one white bus that we have that's running around town. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it that has our new logo on it. Um, is that the one that the senior center did use, or is that a different? Yeah, it used to be a senior center bus, mm -hmm. and and uh, it got transferred over to us, and uh, uh, so we put went ahead and put our new logo on it, and um, uh, that's what all the buses will look like. Um, their base is gray, though. Right, right, but they are a little bit larger. Well, no, the 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 new buses will be smaller. Okay, they just, won't look just, exactly like that. Yeah, one. but in length, they're probably only about a foot and a half shorter. Uh, so, mm -hmm. and then they'll have the uh, the lift in the back. The lift will be in the back. Yes, mm -hmm. and people don't, I think, realize sometimes just how many people depend on that. For example, Westbrook Towers or or some of the senior living facilities where in order to even go to the grocery store, they have to use um, an automated chair in right. order to, to get around. And that lift is important. It is, yeah. And it, we also provide a, a paratransit service that works in conjunction with our fixed route service um, that uh, specifically works with uh, people who have disabilities and, and uh, need a better mode of transportation than the overall public transportation so how many shelters are there now in other covered spaces for the passengers to sit in if, if the weather is bad and how many will you have i guess uh, long term in the future well currently throughout the city we have about 17 shelters um, we jim and i have been working on a uh, shelter project for close to a year now i guess and and uh, uh we will have um, eight new shelters soon uh, to be installed throughout the city uh, with plans uh, to for as many as 32 or so 
within the next several years. So you'll build those as, I guess, the funding becomes available to stretch that out into right, the locations yeah. and as the routes expand, I would assume. Right. Our friend Dick Baines has been on to me about the last three years, about the two years. Additional about shelters? This, about additional shelters. So. Right. And will they be the same, some, very similar to what we have now, or have you changed some of the design even for the shelters? They'll be designed differently. Um, you know, right now what you see is that, that box-type shelter with the the plexiglass type sides on it. Um, these will be actually more open air. Um, there won't be any glass. Uh, there'll be uh, metal, perforated metal, you know, Mesh, sides right. and back. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, yeah, so it'll be a little bit different. What's the uh, thinking behind that, not having the, the plastic glass or the glass? Well, there's a few different, a lot of trans agencies are going to that design. The um, newer design with yeah, the mesh? Yeah, there's not quite as much upkeep with them. Mm -hmm. um, if there's damage to a shelter, uh, now it, uh, it's a little more involved getting the, the glass replaced and so on. Whereas, uh, you know, if something happens to the metal panel, it's going to take a pretty good bit to, to damage it. And uh, But if it does, you know, we can replace that panel. But um, it's just a, just a change, more aesthetically pleasing. As we wrap it up, I thought we would uh, talk a little bit more about the funding in detail, Jim. Um, what people don't realize, sometimes they see a big project like this and they think, you know, it's all city funds, but it's not. There were the Improve Act funds that were provided, and I think the city got three separate portions of that, three separate $3 million portions, which may have been more than any other city in the state. I'm not sure, but uh, how did you how did you develop that and how did we come up with that funding? Yeah, well, it you know, in I guess 2017 was the first year that the that the Improve Act came out for call for projects and we actually submitted it was limited to three million dollars per application so i actually russ and i we actually applied for we went ahead and said we want six because <laughs> mm -hmm. we need six yeah right well they actually gave us a, a 17 and an 18 for three million dollars as we got moving through the project again with inflation we figured out we're short funding so we actually reapplied in 2022, and it just so happened that the first two Improve Act grants were a 75-25 match. The third grant that we got from them, they had they had a, a nuance in there. If it was in an opportunity zone, it would be a 90-10 match. So we actually got that particular grant at 90% state, 10% local. So it. It worked out to be a you know a, a, a nice yeah. deal. It worked it, out very well. It worked out very well. And and again, we talked about you know we we receive you know about two point two million in federal dollars a year uh, through fifty three hundred seven funds, and we try to manage our money well so we can have some reserve. So when we do have capital projects, we can we can leverage some of the additional funds that we have you know basically stored stockpiled. So. We were fortunate that we were able to bring another 5.2 million of federal dollars to the project, and that also includes an 80-10-10 match, 10% state, 10% city. So, again, we're coming out with about we're we're matching about three million dollars on about 17 and a half million dollars. Well, we really appreciate both of you being here to discuss this, and we're looking forward to the construction and seeing this facility operate. I know it's going to benefit our city greatly. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And for more information, uh, you can contact Assistant Transportation Director Russ Brashear by calling 
893-6441, or you can email him at the email address that is on the screen. Uh, that email address is rbrashear, B-R-A-S-H-E-A-R, at murfreesboro.tn.gov. For those of you who are listening on audio, we've been talking to Russ Brashear and Jim Kerr from the city's transportation department for this podcast and originating from City Hall. Thanks for listening to The Insider via Podbeam, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon, Music Audible, and Google Podcast. You can also watch Insider every month right here on YouTube. Our producer is Michael Nevels. For more information on the fast-growing city of Murfreesboro, it's www.murfreesboro.tn.gov. I'm Mike Browning. Thanks for watching The Insider.